All right, Mark 6, chapter 30 through 44. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. So just pause there for a second. The done and they had taught, if you remember from earlier in Mark chapter 6, Jesus has sent them out. So if you look at um, verse 12, he sent the, the uh, 12 out two by two. They went out and preached that, that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. In the midst of that happening, you've got all the stuff happening with John the Baptist. Jesus' cousin's head is cut off. It's a pretty emotional time for Jesus. Um, Verse 30, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. So verses 12 and 13. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourself to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of him. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take eight months of a man's wages. Are we going to spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? He asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said, we have five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples and set before the people. He also divided the fish among them all, the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was about 5,000. So if you kind of multiply that out, they think that that would have meant there were at least 20,000 people who ate um, based on just like a head count of the men. Um, so there's some really interesting stuff that's happening in this passage. Uh, I think one of the things that's interesting to see is this first little bit where, yeah, this is just, this is really, really important. Um, Jesus sends the 12 out two by two, and it says in verses 12 and 13, they go out, they preach um, that people should repent. The kingdom of heaven is near. It's amazing. They're casting out demons. They're healing people. All the stuff that Jesus has told them to do with the authority and the power that he's given them. They come back and they do a report out. And I mean, it's like fascinating. You see in other parts of Mark, particularly in Mark 9, where you actually hear some of the debrief that Jesus is doing. So he's literally giving them coaching. It's like really, really cool. Um, And then it says in verse 31, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat. Like they're so swarmed with people. They do not like, and it's not just Jesus who is swarmed at this point, is it? Like Jesus has now started to catalyze a movement. It's not just Jesus. It's now there are 13 of them doing this. All of them are doing this. And so all of them are swarmed with so many people that they do not get a chance to eat. He said to them, come with me by yourself to a quiet place and get some rest. Um, There's this recognition, I think, that Jesus has that particularly for people who are very early on in doing this, like there needs to be like self-protective measures that when you pour out, you need to have a time of being poured back into. 
And so we see in Matthew 11, come, this is what Jesus says. He says, come away with me, all you who are tired and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It's worth pointing out that when Jesus says that, it's right after another mission trip the disciples have taken. And then they have taken a beating by the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. Like they have just, like they have been pounded by these guys. Um, Jesus has kind of said some really difficult things. It's starting to become more and more obvious that Jesus is not going to be popular. Um, and you can probably, like if you're Jesus, you can probably see on the faces of these men, like this is really, 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 really hard. And so one of the things we talk about that Jesus is so skillful at being able to do is to balance and to calibrate invitation and challenge. There's a challenge to be sent out. There's a challenge to cast out demons, a challenge to pour out, a challenge to preach the good news, a challenge to stand up to the powers and the rulers of the day um, who may not be bad people, but are missing what it is that the Father is doing. That is very, very challenging work. And so Jesus, seeing this and always calibrating, says, all right, we're going to get away. And I mean, and so that's what he does. Verse 32, so they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. So they're going across the, the, uh, the Sea of Galilee. But many who saw them leave, which is not a big thing. So this is probably not a, this isn't a, like a long trip. Um, they're going across the sea. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. Um, so it stands to reckon that there was probably not a lot of wind on the lake. They were probably having to use the, um, some of the oars to get across the thing. This is not like a galley ship where they have like all these oars and they're like moving at a pretty steady. Sp- this is more like a John boat and the motor's not working very well. And so you've got two things to kind of like stick in the water and go. If you're listening on the podcast, I just gave some really great hand motions. Um, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. So this is, I think this is, a, this is really worth noting. Um, it stands to reason that Jesus is pretty tired too. Uh, it's not like the disciples have been out there and Jesus has just been sitting on the couch watching Netflix and eating bonbons. Um, he has probably been out doing all this stuff. His, he has just found out that his cousin, John the Baptist, who he is very close with, has just been beheaded. He has just found this out. Like Jesus is in a time of like probably emotional distress. Um, we see what it's like when Jesus is in emotional distress in, ch- in John chapter 11, no, 9, when Lazarus is killed, not killed, when he dies. Um, and like this actually affects Jesus. He is not this machine that does not have emotions. Uh, but what it is that happens is that the compassion in Jesus is activated. Um, and seeing what it is that the people need. Um, What it is that Jesus is able to do is he is able to rely on reservoirs of spiritual energy that he has to teach the people. Um, And I I think one of the things that's important for us to notice is like, I think Jesus recognizes when when he has something to offer and when he doesn't. Which again, it's really difficult for us to see, to think through this sometimes because Jesus is fully God and fully man. But what it is that the gospels tell us is there, there are many times where Jesus, despite there being a need, despite seeing the brokenness, he chooses to pull away. And he actually, like, if you think about his first day of ministry, like, there are people, he heals everyone, day two. They're looking for him. This is in Mark chapter one. They cannot find him anywhere, despite 
They're, they have filled Peter's mother-in-law's house, and the whole region is outside the doors of this house, and Jesus leaves and goes somewhere else. Like, Jesus is able to break away and to not engage if it feels like that's what the Father is doing. But also, he has this, he has this ability to, like, pull away every day. It says that he got up early in the morning, spent time with his Father, like, as was his custom. Like, every day he's getting up in the morning, every day... He's spending time with the Father so that when he hits a trigger point like this, he is not running on empty. And so I think for us, like we, we see some really interesting things that almost seem to be like in conflict in the way that Jesus works. He sees that his disciples are empty and he pulls away and is like, hey, we need to get away and we need to get some rest. But when Jesus runs smack into a crowd of people and the compassion in him is activating to get a sense of what, what it is that the Father is doing, he steps into it. He doesn't run away from it. But I think because, and, and I'm, I'm taking a little bit of license. It's not like the scripture says this. I think it has, like, I think you can, you can see that it implies this throughout the gospels. Because Jesus has a sense of what it is that the Father is doing in that particular moment, he, I mean, Jesus is not running on empty. And so it's not like he is now going to rely on his own natural charm and charisma and his own like natural gifting and not rely on like these spiritual reserves that he has. And so he's able to step into that because he has extras. Um, and I wonder like if we are not, if we are not really attuned to like spending time with the Lord, like as a habit, as a practice, as a like, like, like even when I hit empty, there's always like in your car, you've got that reserve tank. Um, most of us are not attentive enough to even just like fill the tank, much less even have a reserve tank. So that when life actually moves way past like the empty thing, we still have like spiritual energy that we can rely on that the Lord gives us. Um, and so I think so many times we just stay in the red on the, on the spiritual gas tank. Um, because of that, like that just means like we're just above water, just above water, just above water. And so I even think about what it is that we're trying to do with this like set aside time of prayer and fasting. In many ways, what we are trying to do is to like push into time with the Lord um, in such a in such a like concentrated way that all of our collective spiritual tanks, I'm not saying they're going to be full, but they are going to be better than they they were than we started on May the 2nd. Um, So that when we hit like because this is just life, right? Like Jesus is looking to actually set some boundaries He's trying to get away from the crowds. The crowds outran him in the boat. There is times in your life where it's just like that. There are times where you get home at night and you are tired. You have put in a good day's work and then someone shows up on your doorstep. And so you have to decide, like, am I going to keep the door closed? And there's sometimes where you should. I don't want to say that, like, there's always a one time. But if there is a pattern of I always keep the door shut. I always keep the door shut. Then we have some questions that we need to start asking. Like, do we, one, do we see what the Father is doing? Two, do I have enough spiritual reserves or spiritual energy that I can actually do something with this person even when I'm at the edges of myself? Like, it forces us to ask some really, really difficult questions. Uh, let's see. I think I camped out there a little bit longer than I was planning on. Uh, he, they beat him. Oh, yeah, so they... This is a remote place, they said. It's already very late. We should get them away from here so they can go to the country, surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. Verse 37, he answered, you give them something to eat. Um, and you're starting to see Jesus starting to flip it on them pretty regularly now. It's like, you want to just rely on me, 
and you will, like you've got my authority and my power, but I'm going to constantly flip it and be like, you do it, you do it, you do it. Um, I refuse to be in like this, um, like it's, it's this odd thing because he's God, but Jesus refuses to exist in like this client provider relationship. Like it's an, it's like the most, it's like a really, really interesting thing because all of our, all of our resources, all of our time, all of our energy, all of our spiritual whatnot, never said that before, um, come, comes from Jesus. And yet like in the way that he's relating to them, it's like, I'm not going to do for you what I have given you the power and the authority to do yourself. Like you can do it. So he starts, like, you're going to see this like regularly in the book of Mark. He flips it on them. You do it. And they answered, like, look, this would take eight months of a man's wages. Or are we going to spend, go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? Meaning they actually do have the money. So remember that Jesus is funded by a group of very wealthy women. Like he actually has, they have a, like a treasure chest, so to speak. There's, a, there's money that they have, and they're essentially asking the question, we've got the money do we really think that the money that we have set aside for us to do our thing, this is the best way to use it? Like, this is eight months worth of a man's wages, of a day wage. Like, this doesn't make any sense. And Jesus says, all right, well, how many loaves do you have? Clearly, you're not going to get this, so I'm going to help you out a bit. Go and see. When they found out, they said five and two fish, and Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was 5,000, so about 20,000 people. This is a really fascinating thing. You see it happen in John as well. Um, In John chapter 21, where Jesus is pushing for like, I want you to do the whole thing, like pushing for them to do the whole thing and they can't get there. And so rather than being, than Jesus, and this is like such an incredible, like, I think leadership thing for us to see. He pushes them to do the whole thing. They can't get there. And it's clear they're just not going to get there. So Jesus, rather than saying like, all right, I'll just do it all, still invites them to participate in the thing and to take a few steps forward in their own development Rather than saying, like, I'm fine, give me the five fish or five loaves of bread, give me the two fish, I'll do it. You sit there, sit in your shame, I'll take care of it. He, he, still, he, he does bless the bread, he blesses the fish, he breaks it, but who is it that divides the people up? Who is it that instructs them? Who is it that gives all of the people the food? And who is it that they're going to think multiplied all of the food? Like all Jesus did was pray and then just give it to the disciples. And then they were the ones who did all the work. So essentially what he did is he leveraged his own faith, gave it to the disciples so that they would just do what he's telling them to do. So in their minds, the only one who looks stupid is Jesus, not them. Like they apparently didn't have the faith at that point to do the whole deal. But Jesus refused to do it all himself, even in that. And so I think as we're thinking about people that we're discipling, people that we're leading, the things that the Lord has called us to, it's again, it's getting a sense of where are people at? And always, like a leader is like, one, one of the definitions is a leader is someone who will take people to the places that they would not have gone by themselves. Like they weren't going to do this. And so at this point, they probably weren't even going to like just try to pass out some food either. They needed to be instructed. And so Jesus was able to step into that moment, like, I, want you, I wanted you to go all the way. Clearly this wasn't happening. 
So we'll take some steps back, but it will still require you to take some steps forward. And so, like, again, you're seeing Jesus. What is Jesus doing? He's still calibrating invitation and challenge. Like, the thing that he was challenging them to do, they were not up for. And so the way that he balanced it was to give them something that was still challenging, but was something that they could wrap their minds around and didn't break them. We, we've talked in the past, like, what, what it is that Jesus was able to do is he was able to stretch the disciples to such a degree that it kept them very spiritually flexible, but it never broke them in half. And so that's the constant challenge that we're thinking about, the people that we're discipling, the people that we're leading, whether they're your kids, whether the people the Lord has entrusted to you, ministries that you're leading, people in your missional community, churches, whatever it is that you lead, on whatever level that you have. Like we're, we're stretching people to keep them spiritually flexible, but only as we get a sense of what it is that Father is inviting us to do. Like this is a really, really like there's more that we can talk about. This is a really, really rich um, like 14 verses. And we're, it's about to get even more interesting uh, in the next couple of verses, which we will have to hit tomorrow. So stay tuned.